Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 16 of Genesis chapter 8. And we're continuing to read from verse 9. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her, and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. Well, we saw in our last Bible study that the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and that language of sole of the foot relates to looking for the promised land of the new heaven and the new earth. God is looking for that land because it will be his eternal dwelling place, and the people of God are likewise looking for that land that God has promised, the eternal possession. And so the dove, the Holy Spirit, went forth to see if the time was yet and return because it could find no place to set the sole of her foot. That is, no eternal dwelling place, no new heaven and new earth was prepared as yet. We can tell from the context that it's in preparation, stages, the waters are decreasing, indicating that it's almost there, but not yet. And so the report from God the Holy Spirit as the dove returns to Noah, a type of Christ, and and therefore it's a report to all within the ark, which, of course, we've seen that that would point to everyone who's saved and going through the prolonged period of judgment, remaining on the earth at that time. The report is not quite yet. It's not yet the time. And so Noah pulled the dove in unto himself, back into the ark. And then in verse 10, we read, And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. Now we were beginning to look at the word stayed. It's 2342 in the Hebrew concordance. And it's a word that really is connected to childbirth or to uh, to travailing in birth. And we'll look at some verses uh, that that use this word that way. But before we do that, let's look at another word in verse 10. And I'll read it again, the first part. And he stayed yet other seven days. 
and we wonder why God is saying other seven days. Because it's true, after he pulls the dove in and he stays seven days and then she returns again with the olive leaf, then verse 12, and he stayed yet other seven days. We understand verse 12 because he had stayed a seven-day period previously and this is another, an additional seven days. But why in verse 10 does it say, and he stayed yet other seven days as though he had already waited or stayed or or travailed for a previous seven-day period. And when we look at the account and we backtrack, we see from the start of the flood, God speaks of rain 40 days and 40 nights. He talks of five months, 150 days. Then the ark rested at that point. And then uh, there was mention of the first day of the 10th month and then a 40-day period following that. But it was when that 40-day period elapsed that the dove went forth. There was no previous seven-day period mention. Let me go to Genesis 29, and uh, I'll read a verse that shows what I mean. In Genesis 29, verse 30, And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and serve with him yet seven other years. That's the same word, other. Seven additional years, a, a different period of time, but uh, the identical period of time. Seven years. And so we would expect to find a previous seven-day period. And we don't find it in chapter 8, and we don't find it once the flood began. But we do find a seven-day period before the flood began. Remember, going back to Genesis chapter 7, it says in verse 4, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And then it says in verse 10 of Genesis 7, It came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. So God gave a seven-day period. That seven-day period expired. Then the flood began. And that seven-day period, we know, relates to Second Peter 3 spiritually as one day is as a thousand years, and, and it ties in with the 7,000 years from 4990 B.C., the year the flood started, until 2011, the year that God completed his salvation program and and we could say the year that that all to enter the ark had entered and and the day was May 21 2011 then the Lord shut the door of heaven just as God shut the door of the ark on the 17th day of the second month after 7 days and during that 7 day period or 7000 year period God waited and put up with the the sins, the transgressions, the iniquities of mankind while he waited. And, and then finally, that period um, again came to a close. The, the actual seven days, uh, the week, the 168 hours 
uh, until the the door of the ark shut and the flood waters started to come upon the earth and even now the 7000 year period that it represented has come to an end and 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 uh, god as soon as the 7000 year period came to a close poured out his wrath in a spiritual way upon the earth and it, it must be that in Genesis 8, verse 10, it, when it says, and he stayed yet other seven days, that it's referring back to the time before the flood began when God told Noah yet seven days and he would bring the flood. And it is Noah, same person, who's waiting historically. We can see how it fits, how it would apply to him. He had to wait at that point for everything to finish and complete and for the judgment to get underway. Now he's waiting for a different reason, but he's still waiting. He's still waiting on God. He he was waiting on God to initiate the judgment previously. Now he's waiting on God to complete the judgment and... The figure is he's waiting on God to fulfill another aspect of his salvation program. It, it's really waiting on God to save just as the seven days, the 7,000 years were that extension of time in which God was long sufferingly patient. And, and the Bible tells us in second Peter three, verse 15, that the reason God is long-suffering is salvation. That is, God was merciful, gracious, and and long-suffering with mankind for the purpose of saving his elect, which was accomplished over the seven years. But that was the salvation of the soul, the completion of the first resurrection of the souls of God's elect. Now, uh, he stayed yet other seven days. Another seven-day period. Well, this one has no spiritual identification to a day is a thousand years. We, we shouldn't think that. No, that's not in view. But the number seven points to perfection, to completion. And, and it, it is pointing to the perfect completeness of God's salvation program concerning those that are saved, it, it, it's as though the souls of them, uh, all that have experienced the first resurrection, are on the ark. They're they're waiting for this period of time of judgment to uh, to finish and and to get over with, so that they can come out on dry ground on a new earth, and what also happens simultaneously, we know from the rest of the Bible, is they, the people of God, will receive new resurrected bodies, and it will be the completion of their salvation. In in other words, it is waiting in a similar way for salvation. But in this case... It's the second resurrection. The Bible doesn't speak of a second resurrection, but it's implied 
since it does talk about a first resurrection. It's the second resurrection of the body. And that is the salvation of our body. Our body today, as as we live on the earth, is sinful. It is corrupt. It, that's the reason why our physical bodies die and we're put into the ground. Because of sin. We have sin in our body. We have no sin in our soul because our soul has been born again. It has been raised up in the resurrection. But our physical body is still sinful. And if you're sinful, you need salvation. Therefore, our physical body is in need of being saved. And, and, and so the believers are groaning and, and travailing. Uh, as it says, uh, let me turn to Romans. Romans chapter 8, which is really um, just a great chapter where God gives so much spiritual truth. In Romans 8, he speaks of the creation. Um, in, in verse 21, the, the creature, creation itself, also should be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. Now, isn't that interesting? That That's the word we'll see when we look at this word stayed concerning Noah. Noah stayed. And that word is translated in, in other places as in pain, in travail, brought forth. And, and so Noah is in pain. Yet other seven days, he's as it were, personifying or becoming the essence of what God is saying here concerning the creation and concerning his people. Um, We know in verse 22, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. The redemption. Redemption is a salvation word. That is, we're waiting for our body to be saved. And I think that's why God is saying here that Noah stayed yet other seven days. It's an additional waiting period. But let, let me put it this way. Before May 21, 2011, before the world and all of us entered into the final day of judgment, again, a prolonged period of time we're currently in, the focus of all God's people, of God himself, of the Bible, was on the sending forth of the word of God into the world to evangelize in order that the elect here and become saved in their soul. That was the focus of the seven days that God spoke to Noah. Yet seven days before the judgment comes. The, the focus was entirely on the first resurrection. But then the seven days or 7,000 years did come. 
the, the time ran out, and the door of the ark historically shut, and the door of heaven shut spiritually on the day that God said he would, that God broadcast to all the world that his salvation would be finished and no more on May 21, 2011. And it's as though we were all, all the people of God, were safely shut up in our chambers, just as the five wise virgins entered in and the door was shut. They went in with the bridegroom. We went in into the kingdom of heaven. All the elect are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We all have our citizenship of that kingdom of God. We are hid in the day of judgment. Our lives are hid in Christ through salvation. So all those things are done. As Hebrews says, having done the will of God, you have a need of patience. One part, a huge part, that worked out for millennium completes. But now comes another time of waiting another seven days in which God is patiently involved in various uh, work that we don't understand. We, We don't know what's going on completely. All we know is that we must go through this present time, this, this current judgment day, and we, we have to, by God's grace, endure to the end, and then will come salvation. Then will come salvation of the body, of our physical bodies. And therefore, the elect of God are waiting on the Lord in a similar way, but different, similar that we were waiting for God to complete salvation of the soul beforehand, and now we're waiting on God to complete the process for the salvation of the body, and that process involves trying his people as gold and silver is tried and putting the fire to all, the appearance before his judgment seat to demonstrate the things that the elect had already previously uh, accomplished in the person of Christ from the foundation of the world, the actual punishment of the wicked, and so forth. There's also, uh, following the example and pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ, taking up our cross and suffering and uh, figuratively dying in order to position ourselves in the right place to be raised up in the resurrection. So we're conforming to the image of God's dear Son. We're conforming to the image of his death that we might be conformable to the resurrection. So all those things are underway and God is involved in processing all these things and and we know he'll do it perfectly and wisely. And yet in the meantime, we wait. And we're waiting in pain. It, it's a, it's a travailing time. We're waiting for, uh, finally God to bring us forth into the completion of our 
new creation, not only of our new resurrected spiritual bodies, but the new habitation, dwelling place, the new heaven and new earth, wherein we will dwell with God eternally. And therefore, he stayed yet other seven days. Now, the the word stayed, as I mentioned, is 2342, and it's the same word we find in Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah 26, verse 17 and 18, says, Like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain, and the word in pain is the word translated stayed, uh, she draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain, and crieth out in her pangs, So have we been in thy sight, O Jehovah. We have been with child, we have been in pain, we have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. So it, it, you can see how it's being used, again, regarding childbirth, and, and yet also the Lord is likening that childbirth to his people. So have we been in thy sight, O Jehovah. And in Micah chapter 4, we find uh, this word used there also, beginning in verse 10 in Micah 4. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city. And, And by the way, that's referring to the elect, daughter of Zion, coming out of the church, out of the city Jerusalem, which typifies the corporate church. And thou shalt dwell in the field. The field is the world. God's people came out of the church and went out into the world. And thou shalt go even to Babylon. Babylon and the field or the world are synonymous. And there shalt thou be delivered. There Jehovah shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies." And so we can really see the spiritual picture here that the Lord is presenting in Micah 4.10. First of all, he's speaking of being in pain, laboring to bring forth, and yet it's all spiritual, tied to the people of God that have come out of the city, the church, have gone to the world, and there they will be delivered. So God's people came out of the churches and congregations, went out into the world, and were waiting. We're waiting for God to bring us forth like a child. And we can see with this account in Genesis 8 that it's a waiting for deliverance of the body, a yearning, a groaning, a, a travailing for the new birth of our resurrected bodies, as well as the new creation. And so this word is also found in Psalm 90, and I think you'll see how this relates to Genesis 8. In Psalm 90, beginning in verse 1, Jehovah, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth. And that's the word, the Hebrew word, 2342. 
before the mountains were in travail or in pain, before they were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You see how God is using this word in verse 2 of Psalm 90, where he speaks of forming the earth and the world. And that would, of course, have to do with the original creation, um, where God did form the earth and the world, and he brought forth the mountains. And, And again, that reminds us of the world that's in view at this point in the ark's voyage, covered by water, just as God first created and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And then from that initial stage, the mountains were brought forth. The land masses were created. And and the earth began to take shape. And again, in Genesis 8, what do we see? The tops of the mountains emerging out of the water. The mountains are coming forth. It is the birth, the new creation, as it were, of the second earth. And this is spiritually pointing to God's promise. God's promise that he will not just destroy the world and leave it at that. He's not just going to leave the world under his wrath and and in judgment forever. No. No, he will destroy the world, he will accomplish the judgment, but then he's going to bring forth the new heaven and new earth. This wonderful, unspeakable dwelling place that he has promised, the God that cannot lie, for whom it's impossible for him to tell a falsehood. It is alien to his nature. It is completely um, against everything that God is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the essence of truthfulness and honesty and goodness and light. And there is no darkness in him. Therefore, he is not a man that he should lie, as all men are liars in our natural state. But he is God, the God that said to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, he gave the covenant and he told Abraham, this land will be an everlasting possession for you and your seed. And that was the seed that was Christ. And all of the elect are counted for the seed in him. And that promise was made to us and to our children or to all of God's people. It is a promise that is absolute. It is a promise that is immutable. It cannot change. And it is a promise God fully intends to fulfill. And the fulfillment is presently underway at this time. That's what Genesis 8 is really teaching us. It's letting us know it's not just a destruction of the world. 
No, but God is at work. God is busy. He's working things out for what is to come after the flood, after the judgment, and for the time when finally all on board the ark are let off. The door opens. We talk a lot about the shut door, but the Bible also has information concerning the opening of the door. But it's not the opening of the door for additional salvation, but it's the open. Well, in a way it is for the salvation of the body and of this creation. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.